Hello everyone, this is Rico and welcome to the one year anniversary show for Treks in Sci-Fi. This will be show 72 for September the 3rd, 2006. Yeah, it was about one year ago today that I started this whole thing, so let's get going. Today on Treks in Sci-Fi, I'm going to do some interesting interactive things, hopefully, with viewers, since this is a live show. I'm going to look at the first Star Trek pilot, The Cage, with Jeffrey Hunter as Christopher Pike. Do a few collectibles, some giveaways, and just have a lot of fun reminiscing here after one year of Treks in Sci-Fi. Well, again, welcome to the show, everyone. This is Rico. Of course, and this is a live show. We've got some people uh, viewing this via Stickam webcam online right now as I record. The show may be a little more disjointed because of that today. I'm going to do some special things, but some of the pauses and delays I will probably edit out, uh, edit out later on. But it will also probably contain a little more flubs like that since I'm not going to stop and pause and re-edit and all while I'm doing the show, which I would normally do. Except when it's live, it's kind of hard to do that. So welcome to the show, everyone. It's been uh, it's been quite a year. I've really enjoyed doing this podcast over the last year. Covered a lot of Star Trek, a lot of other sci-fi TV and movies that I enjoy. Made a lot of good friends online and on the forums uh, that have been people participating in the show, calling in, emailing. It's been a really good time. I, I, I've really enjoyed it. It's been able, or I've been able to take something that I really enjoy star trek and science fiction and try to share that a little bit with other people maybe get them more interested in some things that they may not have known about certain star trek episodes that i've looked at movies tv shows and so forth so it's been really uh really great ride and i'm blaming scott johnson of extra life radio he's the one that got me all hooked on this so scott if you're listening i blame you it's all your fault it's all your fault that i have no sundays anymore that all i do is do this podcast and edit it and prepare for it and all that so so scott uh curse you scott (laughs) anyway uh we are going to do kind of a regular part of the show where i'm going to get to look at the original star trek pilot the cage that was the one of course with jeffrey hunter as christopher pike who was in command of the enterprise at the time it showed a very young version of uh, mr spock and a lot of other crewmen that you don't see in later star trek episodes so we'll get to that shortly But before then, we have a uh, couple of uh, emails to go through and a couple of voicemails. So let's let's do those now. Incoming transmission, Captain. The first first voicemail that I'm going to play, this is from Kenny in California, a longtime listener of the show. And he just sent in some congratulations for the one-year anniversary of Treks in Sci-Fi. So let's listen to what Kenny has to say. Hey Rico, it's Kenny from California. I just want to congratulate you on your one year anniversary. I've been listening since your beta podcast and I can't believe a year has gone by already. This podcast has gone through structural changes over the past year. But one thing has remained the same, your dedication to the listeners. 
and your enthusiasm for whichever topic you're talking about this week. Keep up the great work, and let's hope for many more years. Congratulations again. Well, that's great. Thanks a lot, Kenny. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, I've I've tried to generally mix up the show a little bit. I try to do different things, you know, maybe a little something different every few weeks. Uh, at first, when I started the podcast, I had the idea that I would just do a, a Star Trek episode each week, that I would look at, you know, a Star Trek original series, maybe Next Generation, maybe something from one of the other series, Deep Space Nine, and so forth. And I don't know, maybe around the end of the 20s of of the podcast, maybe around 20, early 20s, I started to say, well, you know, there's a lot of other science fiction, television, and movies that I enjoy that I, I'm not covering because I'm just doing Star Trek. Now, you know, I, I kind of thought, well, should I just stick to doing a, a Star Trek-only podcast, or should I branch out and do other things? And it really wasn't much of a decision, at least on my part. I'm not... Uh, I guess I'm the type of Star Trek fan and this type of science fiction fan, I should say, that enjoys a lot of different science fiction out there. There are some that are just into Star Trek, some that are just into Star Wars, but I, I'm not really like that. I mean, I like Stargate, the the shows that are on now. I like Battlestar Galactica, the old version, the new version. So it, it all has, to me, uh, something worthwhile to offer. And because of that, I think mainly more than anything else, since I watched a lot of different things, I said, hey, I can start doing shows. And I did a Farscape show, and I did a show uh, recently on Buffy and Angel, which I really enjoy. Not strictly science fiction, but these are shows that I enjoy, and I also thought that I could share them with people and maybe show some of what I like about them and share that with others to maybe get them interested in watching these. Because, you know, in general, science fiction, except for the biggies like Star Trek, Star Wars, maybe the current Stargates, uh, Battlestar has gotten some pretty good uh, ratings and press. But in general, the the other movies, TV shows, you know, a lot of these things only last a, a season and are gone. Sometimes they last a few, like a show like Sliders that was on a few years ago, which I really enjoyed. But they, they kind of disappear, and... and Sometimes people never really think about them again, and I, I'm not really like that. There are a lot of shows when I was growing up that I, I still think about, and I'll still dust off a videotape that I might have and, and watch one again sometime. You know, even something uh, like uh, The Wild Wild West, which had sort of some science fiction elements in it. Still a, an enjoyable show, but I guess that's um, enough about my philosophy of, of what I've come to do in the podcast, and Let's move on a little bit. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to mention before we go on, uh, outside of the email and voicemail stuff, there was the announcement this week, uh, officially, even though it had been rumored for a while, that they are re, uh, re-editing and creating new special effects mainly for the original three seasons of Star Trek. Now, there, there's a lot of people, I've, I've checked out some forums, and there are a lot of people that are going and saying, you know that they're messing with history here. It's kind of the George Lucas effect where they're changing things and altering these shows, you know, and they shouldn't mess with it. And then there are other people that are saying, hey, let's do it. Let's update them all. Let's, uh, let's you know, change uh, William Shatner's toupee in, in seasons two and three to something that looks a little bit better or, or whatever. I mean, they're... I, I guess I'm, I'm in between a little bit. I have the DVDs, of course, of the originals that were released... And I'm sure I'll go out and buy these uh, HD DVDs uh, with the new effects and things when those are released at some point in the future. 
and I think the main thing about it, the, the way I look at it, is you've got kids today that may have never really wanted to watch like the 1960s Star Trek because it's kind of old and the effects aren't that great. And, and this may bring in some new fans to the franchise where the effects won't bother them as much if they're updated a little, but they can get a chance to sit down and watch these shows see what great stories these things have. You know, there's a lot of people, I think, that have avoided them just because, oh, that show's 40 years old now. Why would I watch that? I can watch Battlestar Galactica with all the cool battles and spaceships fighting each other. So why would I want to watch a 40-year-old Star Trek episode? But, you know, the the stories are still very sound and solid in those shows. So I I at least look at this as a a positive thing. I think it will bring in a a lot of new people to watch these older Star Trek episodes and to really appreciate them. And and people like me that have been fans since the rerun era of Star Trek will go back now and get a chance to visit these shows again and see them with uh, some updated effects in that. And the the story is there it's mainly mainly going to be visual effects as far as spaceship shots orbiting the planet, uh the battle scenes, things like that. Although I've heard they're going to put some background effects in like when they're near a star base. Uh, some visual. They used a lot of matte paintings in Star Trek, especially the early seasons when they were on a planet. They would show a background shot that was just a painted image, and it was it looked neat, but it, it can definitely be done a lot better these days with computer graphics and everything. So that's um, that we have to look forward to. And the the surprise about this news announcement is that it's going to start sometime in the next couple of weeks in September. The first episode that they are re-editing for this purpose is the classic episode Balance of Terror. It sounds like they're they're picking and choosing the episodes at first of, you know, which episodes they are considered fan favorites, so to speak, for the first ones that they're going to go back and do the effects for, and then they're going to go ahead and do all 79 episodes eventually. So, it may be over the course of a couple of years this takes. I'm not really sure how far along they are yet. I have a feeling they have a few episodes probably already set. I know their next week's uh, Star Trek convention that's in Chicago to celebrate the 40th anniversary, they are going to show some of these effects to the audience. So the people that are getting a chance to go to that convention in Chicago next weekend, which I'm about 90% sure that I'm not going to go to it. Uh, There's still a little part of me that wants to just jump in the car Friday and and drive over to Chicago, which is about five hours for me. Um, but anyway, the um, the people that are lucky enough to go to the convention will get a chance, the first chance to see these uh, visual effects. So hopefully, some th- things will pop up online. What people think about it. So, uh, and I am looking at my time, and I am at about the twelve thirteen minute mark. So I am going to think I'm going to just take a quick break here, and then I'm going to come back and. I'm going to leave most of the other email, I think, for uh, another show. I want to get into the the main topic for this week, which is the episode The Cage with Jeffrey Hunter. So we'll be right back. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, tsfpn.com. Okay, back to Treks in Sci-Fi. Now we're going to talk about uh, the first Star Trek pilot. This uh, this pilot was called The Cage. As most people that listen to this podcast probably are aware, Star Trek was very unique in TV history in that they got a chance to do two television pilots. Most TV series uh, in that era and even to this day 
create what's called a pilot for the show, which is shown to the people of the networks, shown to audiences, test audiences, to decide, hey, is this worth making a TV series out of? Well, Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry, of course, way back in the in the very early 60s, he started to write scripts and he started to go around to studios trying to get someone interested in in Star Trek. And he, of course, eventually ended up at Desilu Studios and created the first Star Trek pilot called The Cage. And again, as many Star Trek fans know, this this uh, particular this pilot was quite a bit different than the Kirk and crew and company of the later seasons of Star Trek and, and the rest of the original series. What they had here was uh, Jeffrey Hunter, uh, a very good actor, playing the role of Captain Christopher Pike in command of the Enterprise. Mr. Spock was still aboard. He was kind of the science officer. They had a different second-in-command, uh, a female named uh, or called number one on the show. And there was a different doctor. Most of the other actors that were in the eventual original series were not in this first pilot episode. About really the only two characters or the two actors that went on were Leonard Nimoy and Majel Barrett. Leonard Nimoy, of course, playing Spock. And Majel Barrett played number one, which was she was sort of a, a cross between Spock, uh, or eventually some of the characters of the number one character eventually made it into Spock in the original series. That's what I'm trying to say, I guess. She was a very uh, analytical, very uh, kind of cold, logical first officer, and a lot of those characteristics went into the character of Mr. Spock later in the original series. So you had, um, and then you had, of course, Jeffrey Hunter playing Captain Pike, uh, a character not really, you know, a little different than Kirk, uh, not not maybe as humorous, not as friendly and warm to his crew. Although if you look at the early episodes of the original series, Kirk is a little bit more like that. Also, eventually he kind of lightens up a little bit, and, and but in this, uh, uh, the pilot of the Cage. Christopher Pike, uh, played by Jeffrey Hunter, is, is a lot more of a typical commander. He's There's the crew, and then there's him, and he doesn't really kind of mingle with each other as much as Kirk eventually does, especially, um, you know, Spock in this. He does actually have some scenes, though, uh, quite a few with the Doctor, who he sort of confides in, which is very similar to the character of Dr. McCoy in the later uh, TOS episodes. So without any further ado, I want to play the... Uh, first clip that I got. I got about nine or ten clips this week. The first one is with um, a scene early in the episode. You know, if you remember this, this is they, um, they've they received a distress signal from a planet called Talos 4, and supposedly there is a sort of uh, crashed um, group of scientists on this planet, but Pike at first doesn't want to investigate, and there's a scene early on where the Dr. Boyce goes to visit him in his quarters, so I'll play that for you uh, right now. What's been on your mind, Chris? The fight on Rigel 7? Shouldn't it be? My own yeoman and two others dead, seven injured. Was there anything you personally could have done to prevent it? Oh, I should have smelled trouble when I saw the swords in the armor. Instead of that, I let myself get trapped in that deserted fortress and attacked by one of their warriors. Well, Chris, you set standards for yourself no one could meet. You treat everyone on board like a human being except yourself. Well, now you're tired and you... You bet I'm tired. You bet. I'm tired of being responsible for 203 lives. and I'm tired of deciding which mission is too risky and which isn't and who's going on the landing party and who doesn't and who lives and who dies. 
Oh, I've, I've had it, Phil. To the point of finally taking my advice, arrest, leave. To the point of considering resigning. And do what? Well, for one thing, go home. Nice little town with 50 miles of parkland around it. Remember I told you I had two horses and we used to take some food and ride out all day? Well, that sounds exciting. You ride out with a picnic lunch every day. I said that's one place I might go. Into business on regulars or in the Orion colony. You, an Orion trader, dealing in green animal women slaves? But the point is that this isn't the only life available. It's a whole galaxy of things to choose from. Not for you. That scene it really shows a lot of the captain in, in just a minute or so. You get to see he's kind of tired out. He's 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 had enough really he's tired of making all these decisions and it's very reminiscent of a lot of scenes with kirk and mccoy especially scenes in the early episodes of the first season like the corbivite maneuver a lot of things put in there oh i wanted to go back a little bit i kind of got off on a tangent but the the second pilot situation yeah the the cage was first shown to the you know the people at desilu and all that and they said Eh, we don't really, don't really like it. You know, what's this thing with these people with the big heads and these aliens? And it's the the label it always has gotten over the years was that the studio people thought it was too uh, cerebral. They called it too too much of a thinking man's science fiction thing. Not that people you know can't think enough to understand this show. It was pretty straightforward, really. Now that we look at it, but they they didn't like it. They wanted more action. There is some action in the episode, but. They wanted quite a bit more, and they, they thought the captain was kind of cold and, and that. and So they eventually went on to make the other pilot with, of course, William Shatner as Captain Kirk, which that pilot was called Where No Man Has Gone Before, which was, again, unprecedented. They, they hardly ever were making a second pilot for a television show. In fact, if anyone is listening to this podcast and can think of other shows that have had a chance to do that, I, I'd be interested. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'm sure there are some other ones. They, they usually change things a little bit sometimes from the pilot to the regular series, but they don't usually make a whole other pilot. Now, they had a lot of things already built, though, for the second pilot. The the bridge of the Enterprise, you know, a lot of the sets were used. They were changed a little, repainted for the second pilot, but the basic idea and the basic, um, you know, storylines and characters and the idea of the show was still there. Uh, the, there are a lot of differences, though, in the cage. The uniforms are a little different. The look of the ship is different, and they, and they um, and they just I guess it's mainly that. One thing I wanted to say about this: there's a lot of similarities when you look at this episode, the cage, to the 1950s movie, which I've talked about, called Forbidden Planet. When I was looking at this this morning again, the you can really notice that the uniforms, the way they treat each other, the just just the general overall feel and look of the show and and the characters, the ship, and the structure of everything is very similar to the crew of the cruiser in Forbidden Planet. So it's there's a lot of similarities. The Cage was written by Gene Roddenberry. Uh, this is his story. So uh, I think there's a, there's a lot of really great elements in this episode that uh, we'll get to here as we move on. The next clip I'm going to play is a clip of you know, they've decided to go to the planet. Eventually, they get another signal. They go to the planet, and there are survivors there. And this little clip is a conversation between Captain Pike and his crew and the survivors on the planet. 
Captain Christopher Pike, United States ship Enterprise. Dr. Theodore Haskins, American Continent Institute. Is Earth all right? The same old Earth, and you'll see it very soon. And you won't believe how fast you can get back. Well, the time barrier's been broken. Our new ships can... Her parents are dead. She was born almost as we crashed. Sorry about that. I think I bumped the mic during that uh, clip. I was showing some things on the camera during the show and got to watch my uh, arms and elbows. So there they, they found their survivors and there is a girl among all these old scientists who just seems a little out of place. She's a uh, named Vina, and immediately it seems that Captain Pike, not unlike Captain Kirk, is a little attracted to her, perhaps. So she seems uh, she seems pretty out of place with all these old scientists. And, of course, as the episode goes further, you understand why that's the case. There's a lot of uh, interesting things in this episode. One thing I want to say, or wanted to mention, is the character of Spock here is not quite the very logical, cool Vulcan that he is always shown to be in the regular TOS episodes and series. He's He's got some emotions. There's some scenes where he even smiles. He gets pretty excited a couple of times when uh, when certain things happen during the episode. He, he yells out very loudly. Uh, lots of that. So, like I said earlier on, a lot of the characteristics that came or that are in number one, eventually end up in the character of Mr. Spock. They sort of blend the two of them, and Spock ends up not just being the science officer, but the second-in-command with Captain Kirk. The next clip. The next clip is, of course, we all know that Captain Pike eventually gets captured by the Talosians. These, um, oh, let let me talk a little bit about those before we play the clip. The Talosians... One of the great things they did in this episode, Gene Roddenberry, I'm not sure whose idea it was, but they hired, actually, they hired actresses to play the parts of the aliens. They 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 kind of put out a casting call for small, very small women, not very well endowed, let's just say, and they put them in these very big uh, silver suits. They did all the makeup on the face and gave them these large uh, heads, which which my brother used to always call these, uh, the Talosians, he always used to call them the head butt people because if you look at the backs of their heads, they they look like, well, you get the idea. They, they, he called them the head butt people. Anyway, um, but they, they put all the makeup on these, these women, and what you ended up with was a, a very alien-looking alien is, is really the situation. And I was looking at them again collecting the clips today. And noticing that when you when you look at someone, you immediately try to identify, is that a guy or is that a girl? It's kind of an instinct, I think. And with these aliens, because they were women kind of playing an alien, were they supposed to be men because they dubbed in these sort of male-sounding voices? You get this sort of uneasy feeling when you look at them that are like, uh, is that a guy? Is that a girl? What is that? Is that an alien? And I think what that allows you to do is it allows you to think of them more as alien than human. And it's used to very good effect in this episode. And I'm kind of surprised that I, they did this on a 
oh, there was a science fiction show from a few years ago, also uh, a Gene Roddenberry kind of thing, something Earth. I'm, I'm blanking out. Maybe somebody in the chat will know what I'm talking about. But they did that. They had aliens on that show also, I think, that were women kind of playing men. And it gives you this, like I said, it gives you this weird feeling when you look at them like, hey, they're kind of freaky looking. Uh, is that a guy or a girl or whatever? So um, so anyway, that's, uh, I think, used to very good effect in this episode. I'm going to play the next clip. This is after Pike has been captured and he's sort of getting a feel for his surroundings. One of the, you know, the reason this episode is called The Cage is Pike is captured and put in a cage, almost like put in a zoo. So that's where the name comes from. And I'll play that clip for you right now. Can you hear me? My name is Christopher Pike, commander of the space vehicle Enterprise from a stellar group at the other end of this galaxy. Our intentions are peaceful. Can you understand me? It appears, Magistrate, that the intelligence of the specimen is shockingly limited. This is no surprise, since his vessel was baited here so easily with a simulated message. As you can read in its thoughts, it is only now beginning to suspect that the survivors and encampment were a simple illusion we placed in their minds. You're not speaking, yet I can hear you. You will note the confusion as it reads our thought transmissions. All right, then, telepathy. You can read my mind, I can read yours. Now, unless you want my ship to consider capturing me an unfriendly act... You'll now see the primitive fear threat reaction. The specimen is about to boast of his strength, the weaponry of his vessel, and so on. Yeah, so you can see, obviously, Pike is not very happy. And, and thank you, uh, Spidey, from the chat room. Earth Final Conflict was the show I was trying to think of. That was a show that was uh, produced by Majel Barrett, Gene Roddenberry's wife, and they used that same uh, effect in there. They Actually, the aliens on that kind of looked like Telosians a little bit. And they did that same thing where they had a, a woman kind of playing a guy but an alien, put a lot of makeup on them, made them kind of unisex, uh, like um, a eunuch. <laughs> and I think it really makes uh, aliens look like that. And it, there's a lot of times in... in you know, the typical gray aliens that come down uh, out of spaceships and, and scare uh, farmers in Iowa or wherever, those guys always look like they're basically not male or female and in drawings and pictures you've seen on the Internet or wherever. They always kind of make them unisex. So it's it's a good effect for an alien. It You know, you, you, you take that human convention out of fa- – there we go uh, – uh, female and male, and you just sort of throw it out the window. So – so Captain Pike has been caged. He's captured by these guys. He's obviously not too happy about it. And then we will uh, move on. There's another short clip here I'm going to play. This is a clip with Mr. Spock. They Typically, a lot of Star Trek episodes have a scene in the briefing room where they're trying to get uh, their bearings, trying to figure out what's going on. And this one is, is a pretty short clip. This is just Spock explaining what's, uh, what's going on. Look, brains three times the size of ours. If we start buzzing about down there, we're liable to find their mental power is so great they could reach out and swap this ship as though it were a fly. It's Captain Pike they've got. He needs help. And he probably needs it fast. Engineering deck will rig to transmit ship's power. We'll try blasting through that metal. Yeah, so they're back up on the ship. They... 
you know, they're going to plan on trying to break through. Pike was taken kind of in this mountain area. They closed a door. They blasted it with their lasers. I've got to get those uh, laser props that they use in this. I have an old toy one, but I want to get a new one with that's a little better sized. Uh, Roddenberry.com uh, sells some props that you can build. Some are pre-done, some you build, and they have a pretty cool laser prop. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, check out Roddenberry.com for a very nice, authentic uh, laser pistol prop from this episode from the cage. And they do try to get through at first when Pike's first taken, but they can't seem to get through. So their idea is to beam down this big laser cannon, transmit the ship's power through that, and blast the mountain uh, uh, you know, out of the way. The problem, of course, here is these Telosians can make you think and see anything they'd like, and you don't really know what to believe and what not to believe. Although they must... Um, it's hard to to say exactly what their range is. They they do say a few things in this episode that maybe even the Enterprise in orbit of the planet they could make people do things from down on you know from them being down on the planet make uh, the crew up on the Enterprise do certain things to you know hurt themselves hurt the ship or do something like that. That's talked about later on, but they do have a limit. They can't they can't um, they can't just pull the Enterprise in or else they would have never had to signal them to come to the uh, to the planet to begin with. So, where are we at? Sorry, I'm, again, this show is going to be a little less uh, production clean since I am uh, viewing my chat room and the people online in the live area at the same time as running this. So, bear with me. Uh, yeah, the next clip. Let's move on. Oh, the, I wanted to say something about Vina. Vina is played by the actress Susan Oliver, and the... You know the great thing about her role in this in this particular episode is she has to play Vina in a lot of different roles. They go through a a time all the the keepers uh, of Pike in the cage. They go through sort of different scenarios of you know what will keep Pike happy. They basically need a a, a male and a female human to to do work for them, and obviously they need to like each other so they can make lots of little humans and help the Telosians out. So they, they create all these different scenarios with with Pike and Vina to kind of put them together. You know, they, they have a scene where where they have Pike relive, relive a uh, incident on Rigel where he had to fight this big guy and with, you know, swords and axes and things like that. But she's there. The first time this happened, he mentions uh, she, you know, of course wasn't there. Other crew people were that ended up dying, which is one of the things he's disturbed about at the beginning of the episode but Vina's there and she's you know she's there to he's got to protect her she's like a damsel in distress so Pike just you know starts to uh, fight the guy and that happens and then they go through other scenes where there's a uh, this is the a prelude to the clip I'm going to play there's a scene where they take they take uh, Pike back home and he he grew up uh you know out west and he had horses and he, he used to go out riding and he kind of misses that a little bit so they have a nice little scene with vena and pike having a picnic lunch out uh, out in a nice you know wooded area and then there's a uh, a clip or this leads into the clip right after that where they you know vena's starting to say and think that you know a lot of these situations and scenes they're putting pike in they're not really all that new to him he's been back on earth he's he's ridden horses and had picnics he's fought on rigel so she decides uh, maybe we need to entice captain pike with something that he's not really uh, experienced and uh, something a little different something that a, a captain of a starship wouldn't really uh, 
do. So that leads into the next clip that I'll play now. They can't actually make you do anything you don't want to. But they try to trick me with their illusions. And uh, they can punish you when you're not cooperative. You'll find out about that. Did they ever live on the surface of this planet? Why did they go underground? War. Thousands of centuries ago. That's why it's so barren up there? The planet's only now becoming able to support life again. So the Telosians who came underground found life limited here, and they concentrated on developing their mental power. But they found it's a trap, like a narcotic. Because when dreams become more important than reality, you give up travel, building, creating. You even forget how to repair the machines left behind by your ancestors. You just sit, living and reliving other lives left behind in the thought wreck. Or sit probing the minds of zoo specimens like me. You're better than a theater to them. They create an illusion for you. They watch you react, feel your emotions. They have a whole collection of specimens, descendants of life brought back long ago from all over this part of the galaxy. Sorry, I got a little ahead of myself there with that last clip. The 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 next clip leads into what I was saying earlier. That one was basically Pike is trying to find out what these uh, aliens, the Telosians, are capable of. Uh, can they? and they do everything and he eventually sort of slowly realizes that if he keeps a lot of anger and hate and strong emotions in his mind that the Telosians can't read through that very well of course like Venus said it, there's it's difficult to continue that obviously you got to sleep sometimes you can't really just you know think hate 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 I hate you all the time it burns up a lot of energy and it's not real easy Let's play the clip, though, I was leading to where Veen is talking about uh, things that Captain Pike may not have experienced, so I'll play that right now. You've been home, and uh, fighting is on Rigel. That's not new to you either. A person's strongest dreams are about what he can't do. Yes, a ship's captain. Always having to be so formal, so decent and honest and proper. You must wonder what it would be like to forget all that. Nice place you have here, Mr. Pike. like secret dreams aboard ship captain might have. And that, of course, is the classic scene in Star Trek history of the uh, green Orion slave girl dance. Uh, that's Vina again trying to entice Captain Pike. I didn't say this, which uh, I should have probably early in this uh, discussion about the cage, the episode... The, the big thing about this episode, really, is that it was eventually, this pilot was turned into the two-part, great two-part episode called The Menagerie, where, you know, Mr. Spock takes the now invalid uh, Captain Pike, who's just in this uh, little black chair, he can't move or speak or do anything, he can just beep, you know, 
And that uh, this pilot, the cage, was eventually turned into that great two-part episode, the Menagerie, where Spock takes uh, Captain Pike back to Talos Four, which of course has been forbidden for anyone to visit in Starfleet because of their uh, ability to do illusions and just the danger they would pose to people and and ships that would come in the vicinity of the of the system. So that, uh, again, most probably even realize, or maybe some listening don't realize, that this was a, a separate pilot that was turned into that two-part episode, The Menagerie. You know, they, they had the pilot around, and they decided, hey, let's let's make an episode incorporating this earlier captain of the Enterprise uh, in this two-part episode, The Menagerie. They did a great job. It was a very, very slick and cool way to incorporate the two. And a lot of people have probably never even seen maybe the cage in just its single, uh, you know, release form where it was just a standalone pilot episode not incorporated into the Menagerie. So, anyway, with uh, the abilities of DVDs and things like that these days, it's, uh, you can just take a look at it all by itself now. And let's move on. The, um, the, the you know, the story moves on. Pike is still kind of resisting them. He, he just isn't going along with this. And the Telosians are like, you know, hmm... All our other little creatures in the menagerie seem to be able to handle this just fine. How come you're being such a tough guy? Well, he's a captain of a starship, for one thing, which which makes him... Uh, <laughs> he's not going to just sit back after being in a cage for a couple of hours and go, Oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, no problem. So they, they're having a hard time dealing with that. And then the Telosians get the idea, Hey, well, you know what? If Vina's not really doing it for him, let's bring down a couple other women from the Enterprise and see how that works out. So they're trying to actually beam down to the surface uh, or underneath the surface, a landing party to rescue the captain, and number one and a yeoman are are on the transporter pad. Well, only the women end up transporting down, and then there's a scene in the cage right after that, so I'm going to play that next. He doesn't need you. He's already picked me. Picked her? For what? I don't understand. Now there's a fine choice for intelligent offspring. Offspring? As in children? Offspring as in he's Adam. Is that it? You're no better choice. They'd have more luck crossing him with a computer. Well, shall we do a little time computation? There was a Vena listed on that expedition as an adult crewman. Now, adding 18 years to your age then. The situation there, they got the yeoman, they got number one, and uh, nothing really happens with the situation here. It's kind of interesting that the yeoman seems to be uh, a little interested in Captain Pike, but they, they don't come out and say it, but I have a feeling that you know relationships on a, on a starship, even in this uh, episode, is kind of frowned upon a little bit. There's a... Um, a scene where they get a hold of some lasers and Pike blasts the cage uh, wall, but of course the Telosians can make him think anything he uh, they'd like him to think, and he's like, eh, you know, did I did I blow the wall open or not? And then I, I like what he does next. He he aims the weapon at the Telosians' head and says, well, you know what? You made me making me think I didn't blow a hole in the wall, but how about I try that on your head, this laser, and see if it really doesn't do anything or if it does. So he, uh, he, he. Of course, they show him the opening that he made, and they they start to uh, get out. And then the uh, we'll we'll play a clip here and and move on. No other specimen has shown your adaptability. You were our last hope. But 
wouldn't some form of trade, mutual cooperation? Your race would learn our power of illusion and destroy itself too. Captain, we have transporter control now. Let's get back to the ship. So they're going to let him go. They decide that, you know, they're, they're too much trouble. And they got to let him go back. The humans, of course. And then there is a last clip that I'm going to play here. This is a, a, a kind of a surprise in the episode that Vina explains she can't return with them. She can't go back to the Enterprise and go home because uh, she's not all she appears to be. And uh, I'll play the clip for you right now and then you'll know what I'm talking about. This is the female's true appearance. They found me in the wreckage, dying. Lump of flesh. They rebuilt me. Everything works. But they had never seen a human. They had no guide for putting me back together. was necessary to convince you her desire to stay is an honest one you'll give her back her illusion of beauty and more So there, Vina reveals that she's not all she appears to be, that in fact uh, her youthful appearance and, and her you know pretty good looks is, is all an illusion, which was to try to attract, of course, Pike to begin with. Keep in mind they mentioned that she was a lot older. She was an adult when this uh, ship crashed there, and 15 or so, 13, 15 years had gone by, so she's a little older and... Uh, like she explains, she's not all she appears to be with um, the way they are able to repair and fix her, her body after she was found in the wreckage. So you, it's, uh, it's, it's a really interesting tale, and th- there was one thing that kind of struck my mind when I was going through watching this, this uh, episode about all the illusions and this fantasy world and getting caught up in it. There's a lot of uh, talk these days about, you know, Online role-playing games, online chatting, um, avatars that you use, uh, forums even that you belong to, and sort of having, uh, you know, a sort of a fantasy world, fantasy life that you might have versus what reality is. And sometimes gaming, sometimes for some people at least, it becomes a lot more important to them than the real world, than school, than their job, than a lot of other things. Now, I'm just saying this this can and does happen i think to a to a very small group of people most people just you know i play world of warcraft I'll, i'll hop online and play for you know an hour or two every couple of days or so i don't really play very often and i've got a lot of other things i'm interested in doing and they interest me more than just sitting there 
hour after hour playing that constantly. It's an amusement, and then I go away and I do other things. I have a lot of interests, so that's not a big deal for me. But I think there are some people that that becomes maybe too big of a deal, and there's a lot of similarities in this episode of them basically trying to tell tell the audience and tell people that it's important to to kind of live, to fight, to struggle, and that that's an ongoing theme I think in Trek in general that and it has been shown in a lot of different episodes over all the different series that it's you know there was the whole thing in the in next generation with Barkley on the holodeck very similar situation where he could go on the holodeck and just have whip up any kind of fantasy world that he liked and it started to he started to neglect his duties he started to get into trouble and not show up uh you know to engineering on time and and he, and he he became so wrapped up it was his escape but it became his 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 life it became more important to him than what his what reality was all about and i think that's the trouble and i'm not trying to get on a soapbox here and say i have all the answers and and whatever but i, I it's an important thing and i I think it's just a matter of balance. I, I think a holodeck could be a fun thing to have. It's uh, I, I, I have no doubt that someday we'll get to that point or something very close to it with virtual reality games and virtual immersion type technology. I could easily see you walking into a room and putting on either a headset or just having all kinds of displays around you that would make you think you're at the ocean or, or in a rainforest or on a mountaintop or whatever and have uh, you know the appropriate... Uh, temperature controls and and whatever going on in the room to make you sort of think that you're there but then you walk back out after playing in there for an hour and you go back to to what the rest of the world is it there's a good line uh, there's a good line in uh, an episode called shore leave of star trek in the first season where the caretaker of the shore leave planet says uh or actually spock says the line the uh the more advanced the intellect, the more need for the simplicity of play. And I've always remembered that line over the years because it always struck home for me that I'll, I'll just, you know, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, sometimes my job and sometimes things in life, you know, become very involved and complicated and kind of will wear you out. Where all you want to do maybe go out and I'll come home and, and play catch with the, with one of my boys or do something very simple or I'll... I like to to paint, for example, or do artwork where it's it's not a super simple thing, perhaps. But, I mean, you know what I mean. I mean, even an example of cutting the grass, a very simple task, and I, it, it allows you to take your mind off things to kind of escape for, for a little while. And your mind needs that. I mean, that's one of the reasons I think, you know, you sleep eight hours a night or six or, or four or two or none if you play World of Warcraft. Anyway, uh, I'm go- I'm rambling now, so we're going to stop. So that, anyway, that's my look at the the first pilot of Star Trek, The Cage. I hope uh, you enjoyed this look at it, and I hope I didn't ramble too much about, you know, don't play video games for hours on it. Get outside, feel the real air in your hair and all that. So I'm going to take a quick break and come back and, and do some things with the people that are on the, the live chat and give away some prizes. So stand by. We'll be back in a minute. Hey everyone, this is Scott Johnson from the Extra Life Radio Show. You're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi with my friend Rico. Okay, I'm back. Uh, it's time for a little contest giveaway with the people listening uh, and watching on the live camera. The uh, what I'm going to have uh, as the prize for this is a 
Dr. Admiral Leonard H. McCoy, Playmates, Star Trek action figure. This is the Admiral McCoy as seen in the pilot episode Encounter at Farpoint of Next Generation. As you can see on the camera right now. The uh, What I'm looking for for this... Uh, contest and i'm going to be watching the chat uh, screen to you're gonna have to type in your answer and it's basically going to be whoever gets this uh, question correctly first will win hopefully it won't be too difficult the question is i want uh people get ready at your keyboards give me two two names of starships other than the enterprise that were in starfleet during the original series that were mentioned in episodes or seen in episodes two. Start typing. I see one up. Okay, it looks like uh, Joby got the uh, the win. He got both. Uh, it's uh, Sorry, guys. It's, Joby got the first type in. So, Joby, you win. Dr. Leonard McCoy, Admiral McCoy. You know, that was that scene where he was seen in the the movie where he talks to Data. Great little scene there that uh, was cool that DeForest Kelly did that scene. So, Joby, you win. Send me an email, treksf at gmail.com. If, uh, if you remember, there were about a dozen starships that were, that were a part of the original Starfleet uh, Constitution class uh, group of vessels. And most of these were talked about and or seen in in the original series. A lot of them got destroyed. You know, a lot of them uh, you just um, you never saw. There was a list in the first one of the early books of Star Trek called The Making of Star Trek where all those names are listed. So congrats to Droby. And we're going to have another contest here in a couple of minutes. I've got a, a couple other things I want to talk about uh, in a second. I'm just going to pause uh, pause the recording, and I'll be right back with that. Okay, we're back. Uh, got a few last things to uh, cover here, but I think we're going to do, because everyone wants another contest in the chat, so we're going to do another contest here. This one, as people know, and I'm going to throw a pitch out again, I've uh, started to collect pre-orders. Get your pre-orders in. Go to the main website, treksf.com, and pre-order your Trek SF uh, podcast t-shirt. This contest will be for a size uh, T-shirt of your choice. You get to choose small, medium, large, extra large, double extra large, I think we go up to. To uh, win this shirt, someone in the chat room now, you need to type in, get ready to type in, tell me what Rico's favorite TOS episode is. This was talked about a couple times on podcasts. Rico's favorite TOS episode. If you are a early to the show uh, listener, you will know the answer to this. And the first winner will win the T-shirt. So start typing. Yes, John wins. John John Semelec, City on the Edge of Forever. That is Rico's. Woo woo! I don't have any cheers to put in, John. Sorry. So you win a T-shirt of your choice. And I don't think you placed an order yet, so hopefully that's not a conflict. But send me uh, your address information, treksf at gmail.com, and you win a T-shirt for the podcast. So congratulations, John. Okay, we're going to move along. I've got a collectible 
that I want to talk about this week. This is the latest Force FX lightsaber that I have received, and everyone on the camera can see me talk about this. This is the Obi-Wan uh, Episode 3 Force FX lightsaber. This is not a prize giveaway. This is mine. It's all mine. This just came out. Uh, Master Replicas, again, did a great job with this saber. It's got a lot of neat sound effects. It, of course, is LED-driven, lights up, up and down as you engage the lightsaber, turn it on, off. It's got an all-metal hilt. It has the, you know, the blue LEDs to light up when you engage. They did a great job on this. The, the great thing about these sabers, these Force FX sabers, is they have a really good amount of fun factor in there for the price. They're about 90 to to $100. You can find them at masterreplicas.com. A lot of other websites, a place called andrewstoys.com is, is a good site to look at. Uh, entertainmentearth.com also carries these. And they've, they've put out probably, oh, I don't know, maybe about 10 to 12 of these. They did a Darth Maul double-bladed lightsaber and, and lots of lots of different ones. And for the Star Wars geeks and fans out there that listen to this show also, this is a great uh, a great little uh, item and one that I really like a lot. It's great at Halloween time. I always uh, usually go in the neighborhood, put on my little uh, Jedi outfit, and run around the neighborhood and scare the kids with the lightsabers. So that's, and they're cool because they light up so well at night when you're out at Halloween. They, they are used as uh, almost like a flashlight. So anyway, that's... Um, that's the prop I got about a week or two ago, kind of newest thing to the collection that I wanted to talk about. They're continuing to do these Force FX sabers, and each time they do them, they, they make them a little bit better. The sound quality is better. They only use three batteries in them now. They, the bottom unscrews for for getting the batteries in and out, and it's just a, it's a great little piece. So there we are with the Master Replicas Obi-Wan FX saber from Episode 3. I'm going to take one more quick break. And I will be right back, and we'll wrap up the show and do one more contest. Hi, this is Len from Jawbone Radio, and whenever I need the latest Star Trek or sci-fi news, I listen to my friend Rick on the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. Hey, do you think he's going to be talking about Wookiees? Because I love Wookiees. Okay, we're back. I think I've got everything uh, going uh, properly. We're going to do one more contest. Yeah, it's the one-year anniversary we're going to give away three things. Gave away the Dr. McCoy figure already. And gave away a t-shirt. And now we're giving away a Jordy LaForge in Jordy in dress uniform. Yes, that's Jordy in the dress uniform. So we'll make this a... This is going to be a pretty easy TNG question. The, um, the, the only rule here is that the people, the couple people in the chat that have already won, that won the Dr. McCoy and won the t-shirt are ineligible for this contest. So here's the question. Get ready to type on the chat room screen. Yeah, it's uh, somebody said in the chat, Jordy in a skirt. Yeah, Jordy's dress uniform, Jordy in a skirt. So here's the question. I want you to give me the the years that TNG were on was on the air, the year it started and the year it went off the air in its first run, not syndication. So type in the years that TNG was on the air in its first run. You're close, uh, Spidey. So far, no one's uh, no one's got it. Yeah, don't type in if you've been a winner. So uh, hold that back. 
We're still waiting. You guys are you guys are close. If you keep trying trial and error, you'll get it eventually. I'm surprised no one's Googled it yet, but here's a hint. It lasted seven seasons. Do the math. Seven seasons. <laughs> Spidey, if you keep trying it, you'll get it eventually. Yeah, it, it is a bit of a shame. I thought you guys knew this. You keep guys having you keep you keep having more trouble with the beginning year than you do the ending year. There's a hint. Okay, somebody type it in. There you go, Grabnar. Grabnar wins. Yay! The crowd goes crazy. Grabnar, you win the Jordy figure. Send me your address at treksf at gmail.com. Yes, it lasted from the fall of 1987 to the springtime of 1994 in its first run. And you know what? I think that's going to do it for the show. I'm going to hang about here for a little bit and just chat with uh, with the people in the chat room and on the web uh, live webcam part. But I'm going to wrap up the actual podcast now, close it up, and save the file and so I can edit it here in a short time. So, hey, thanks everyone for the past year. Those have sent in uh, voicemails. Those have sent an email, participated in the forums, uh, voted for the show on Podcast Alley. Hint, hint, hint. It's a new month. Hint. Uh, everything, uh, it's been really great. Uh, I really enjoy it. Oh, next week. I already have it figured out for next week. Next week is going to be the official 40th anniversary show or 40th anniversary of Star Trek. So we're going to do a 40th anniversary look at Star Trek, the whole shebang in one hour. So that should be a lot of fun. I'm going to look at all the different series, all the different movies and everything. Star Trek in one hour or so next week on the podcast to celebrate its 40th anniversary. Until then, Hey, thanks everyone for tuning in, especially those on the webcam and the chat. Thanks to the, or congrats to the winners. Send me your emails and I'll get that stuff out to you guys. Or not your emails, your addresses. Send me the email with your address. Yes. Talk to you guys next week. Uh, talk to you then. Bye bye. This has been a Rick Dosty production. This podcast, copyright 2006, all rights reserved.